Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. The first night of the NFL draft 2022 is over and the Atlanta Falcons have come away with wide receiver Drake London from USC a unsurprising pick if you followed the national media and a surprising pick if you paid attention to what I said and for the record I am Kevin Knight host of the this Falcoholic podcast and the Falcoholic live show we've had a little bit of time to sort of digest the pick and digest what was a pretty wild first round overall in the 2022 NFL draft uh, nine trades was what it ended up with which is the most I believe since 2010 so obviously that was exciting we also of course had uh, a number of division rivals uh, making some interesting picks uh, and And of course, the Falcons still have four more picks to go on day two. So on today's episode of the Falcoholic Podcast, we're going to get into the London pick. Uh, Some positives, of course, because we're not just going to be negative all day. You guys know my thoughts on wide receiver at eight, but I'll rehash those a little bit. But also the positives of the pick, because obviously wide receiver was a big need for this team. And it makes sense from that angle and other angles that we're going to talk about. Also going to get into the remaining needs and some of the top players available on day two. Some of those names will be surprising if you haven't been following closely and monitoring. Um, but yeah, guys, just wanted to thank you for tuning in today to this new edition of the Falcoholic Podcast. I apologize for the lack of episodes over the last month. Uh, there was some some technical difficulties. Uh, our previous host, DW, who we love and miss. Uh, has transitioned over to being the host of the Stampede Blue podcast for the Colts. So if you're a fan of DW's work, which why wouldn't you be? You should definitely go check that show out over on Stampede Blue's podcast feed. So definitely check that out, guys. But in the meantime, I will be taking over the Falcoholic podcast. I hope to have a more permanent co-host for the podcast version. And we're going to really flesh out this uh, area of the show in addition to the live show which of course will not be going away the live show is is going to continue you'll continue to get podcast versions of the live show as well uh, and it's going to be really good content all around so it's it's an exciting time guys I hope you're as excited as I am for this new chapter of the podcast and of all of the Falcoholics media empire that we were starting to put together here but enough of my talking guys let's get into this pick Drake London at number eight overall. And we're going to start with the positives because I, I think we, we shouldn't 
dwell too much on the negatives. You guys know my thoughts on wide receiver at eight. If you've been following my Twitter or really my any of our discussions on live over the past couple weeks, but the pick was Drake London. Um, and the player, the player is not the issue here. And I want to make that clear. I think that that Drake London, the player, was my wide receiver one. He is the the wide receiver I would have picked for the Falcons if you told me they had to take a wide receiver. This is a guy that really fits Arthur Smith's style. Big, physical, contested catch player. I think he's an excellent complement to Kyle Pitts in terms of skill set. He does give the Falcons that really dangerous wide receiver option that they honestly are were severely lacking <laughs> in the wide receiver core. I mean, they made a couple of additions this offseason that I think are intriguing. Um, like I, I do like Demir Bird a lot. I think he's gonna surprise people. Um, you know, he's a speedster and a deep threat. He ran a four two seven. And then Auden Tate, a guy that hasn't been able to stay healthy, but in his one season where he did manage to stay healthy for most of the year, he was putting up impressive sort of wide receiver wide receiver two level numbers in those games. So potentially some untapped potential there uh for those secondary options but there was a, a significant lack of of a, of a dynamic number one and you know maybe you don't see drake london as the most dynamic athlete but i think for his size which he's you know far and away the the biggest of the first round guys you know christian watson maybe is the one that you could say is is a little bit bigger in terms of stature but not much um london is is a physical receiver he's also a, a darn good blocker um, and you know, that shouldn't be at the top of your list when you're evaluating wide receivers in the top 10, but I think that's going to be important for this Falcons team that really is, I believe going to move towards a more balanced offensive approach with Marcus Marietta at the helm. Drake London does give you that ability, that tenacious run blocking on the outside, which is important for the wide zone scheme. Um, but the more important parts of his skill set, I would say are his contested catch ability. And that I think is one thing that people were probably expecting more of from Kyle Pitts. And I think there's a difference between Kyle Pitts style, which Kyle Pitts has tremendous hands. That's, that's not, there's a difference between hands catching and contested catching because one of them is, is very physical and, and sort of you're fighting for the ball. The other one is just how good of a natural receiver are you? And both of these guys are really good hands catchers. Kyle Pitts, I think, is such a dominant athlete that he, I think, had to adjust to NFL players being able to actually keep up with him and, and having to make more contested catches. And that's certain, certainly a part of his game that he's going to have to flesh out to become the the dominant receiver that we all know he, he will and should become at the NFL level. But, you know, you could see last year it was an adjustment for him. There will be no such adjustment to that for Drake London. He's used to having guys in his grill. Uh, he's used to having guys draped on him. He's used to bullying people in the red zone and, and stealing the ball from defenders. He's unafraid of all that contact. And and that is why I think he's such a good compliment to Kyle Pitts right now because the Falcons just don't have anyone like that on the roster. I mean, I think you could say that Auden Tate, when healthy, does offer you that, but Auden Tate is a severely limited athlete. Um, whereas I think Drake London's actually probably a pretty good athlete. Obviously, he didn't complete his testing because of his injury, but this is not a long speed, long speed sort of burner. But his route running, I think, is pretty good. I think his his actual lateral mobility, agility, run after catches is, is very is is very good for a player of his size. So he's he's a more dynamic option than people think. I, I think people are going to be impressed with those areas of his game. 
you're not going to confuse him with a Garrett Wilson after the catch. You know, Garrett Wilson is maybe the best yards after catch sort of receiver in this class. He doesn't necessarily have the deep speed profile of a Chris Olave, of a Christian Watson. That's not necessarily his game, but I think in the short to intermediate area and some deep, you know, as a, as a big receiver, he's not necessarily going to outrun everyone deep, but with that big frame and that big body and that tested catch ability, he can go up and get it on those deep routes. It's just not going to be winning with the separation. And I think that's usually the thing that people who are, are down on Drake London point to is the, the lack of elite separation ability. Um, and I, I think for a lot of wide receiver profiles, you need to be able to separate. Like Chris Olave, if Chris Olave couldn't sep- separate, you know, he would not be anywhere near a first round pick because Chris Olave doesn't have standout size, doesn't have a standout catch radius, isn't a great contested catch player. So if he can't separate, he's not going to be catching a lot of footballs. Um, luckily, Chris Olave is a tremendous separator, so that's good for him. With Drake London, I think he's a fine separator. I think you could even say he's maybe an above average separator overall. I mean, especially for a big man. Um, and I, I liked what I read in one of the Draft Network scouting reports about Drake London is that guys of his size should be evaluated a little bit differently in terms of their agility, in terms of their running, because it's not the same as a six foot, 190 pound receiver. We're talking about a six, four, 220 guy. So this is a different body type. These guys, they physically cannot move the same way. Um, you know, unless you're talking about like a Julio Jones, who's like a one of a kind sort of unicorn athlete. And that's not what Rick London is, but he he does separate well. He does run good routes. He's got some nuance. He's got some wiggle. I think where, where Drake London does separate is at the catch point. I think he's very good at sort of creating just enough space to to get a, 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 an easy shot at ball. And even if he doesn't get like two yards of separation, if he's got a corner on him, like like draping his arm on him, Drake London is, is maybe the best contested catch receiver in this class. So I think he's going to bring that ball in eight out of ten times. And... That when you can do that, and when you're that good at that, that's that's a, a a trump card for you. And I think that the the lack of elite separation for London, it's less concerning in in that scenario. Um, because if you if you can make those catches, if you don't necessarily need to get several yards to be able to catch the football, to be able to create that just enough, and then use your physicality and your catch radius to to make the play, that's all you have to be able to do. And obviously, we need to see if he can continue to do it against better competition at the NFL level. Um, And there's certainly been, in recent years, some examples of of players like similar to London. You know, I know some people compare him to like Laquan Treadwell. He's a better athlete than Laquan Treadwell, guys. Like, like, uh, he's definitely a better athlete than, than Treadwell. Um, you know, some people have compared him to some of these guys like, like Josh Doxson and, and stuff like that. I don't necessarily see that comp really either. Um, you know, with, with, with this profile, you just need to have enough athleticism. You can be successful in the NFL without being an elite separator, without being an elite downfield speed guy. You just have to have a trump card to be a very good NFL wide receiver. And I think for London, it's his catch, his physicality, his contested catch ability in addition to, I think the rest of his profile is better than he gets credit for. I think his route running is above average. I think his speed is is fine. You know, it's not going to blow the doors off of anyone, but it's it's fine. I think his overall athletic profile is is well above average. So, you know, if it was just the physicality and the catch point and and the contested catch ability, like a lot on Treadwell, I think you would have me being a lot more skeptical of Drake London the player. But I think he offers a lot more than that sort of guy. Um, so I, I think 
and also, you know, obviously the Falcons have a big need there at wide receiver. Um, so it makes sense from that angle that they, they were trying to, to fill a big need. Um, and look, as much as I complain about Drake London wasn't the best player available, he was still the 10th player on my overall Falcons board. So this is not a massive reach. This is not a, a, a catastrophically you know bad pick or anything like that. It's just not what I would have gone with. And I think we're going to get into it here in a minute about sort of philosophically why I wouldn't have made this pick. But again, all the reasons I just talked about, Drake London has every chance in the world to be a very productive, good player in the Falcons offense. And we're just going to have to see the rest of the philosophy, the rest of the strategy come to fruition around him. Because right now, we don't have a quarterback long term. We, we have a lot of issues. And we're going to get to that right now, guys. Um, so negatives on this pick. Obviously, the one that I usually harp on is that he he's not BPA on my board at eight, like in any scenario, because he's the 10th player on my board. He's not ever going to be the guy that I would take at eight um, if I'm holding to my board. You know, Jordan Davis, Jermaine Johnson, obviously, Kyle Hamilton. Those were all guys that I had ahead of him. Those were all guys I would have taken ahead of him. Um, just because I think those are, are better, more impactful players that sort of fit a long-term strategy better for the Falcons. Um, and what I mean by that, and I'm not going to spend, you know, a lot of time rehashing this thing because you guys have heard me say this before but I just think the strategy of taking back-to-back receivers and Kyle Pitts is a tight end technically but you know we're talking about receiving options not wide receivers specifically taking back-to-back receivers to, to cap off your your rebuild I think is a questionable strategy for a team that doesn't have a defense doesn't have an offensive line doesn't have a franchise quarterback um it, it just seems questionable to me for that to be your sort of pillar pieces of your offense. I, I think that it's going to be, it's unlikely to me, in my opinion, that Drake London is, is the piece that's really going to get this team over the top. And, you know, maybe it doesn't matter because this is a two to three year process anyway. And Drake London, as long as he's a good player, you know, no one's going to really care in two or three years. Um, and I think there's something to be said about that. Like if the, if the team was convinced that Drake London was going to be a great player, at least a very good player, and they felt more confident than, in that than Jordan Davis or Kyle Hamilton or Jermaine Johnson, and it seems, you know, particularly with Jermaine Johnson, the NFL as a whole was way lower on him than I was in a lot of scouts. Um, you know, if that's what they're thinking, then maybe it makes more sense from that perspective. We also have to take into account what happened immediately after the Falcons picked Drake London, which was that like four receivers went in the next six picks or something like that. There was no way that London was going to fall, even if the Falcons had tried to trade down. And I think the team was sort of suspecting that if they wanted to get an impact X wide receiver one type of receiver like Drake London, there's only a handful of guys in this class. You know, we've talked about London. We've talked about Christian Watson. We've talked about George Pickens. And technically, two of those guys still are on the board. But will they be there at 43? I don't know. I, I doubt it. You know, we'll see. If both if one or both of them are, I think you can look at this as being like, you know, is this, was, was Drake London at eight more of an impact player than just getting a Christian Watson or George Pickens at 43? And again, we're not going to know that for a while, so we're not going to harp on it. But um, we'll have to see how it goes. At least initially, it looks like they were correct in predicting that a bunch of wide receivers would come off the board. But we have to see how the first, you know, ten picks or whatever of 
this second round play out before we we know for sure if they maybe over re, overstated the 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 way the board would fall in terms of wide receivers but it at least forced the saints to trade up for a wide receiver so the saints had to burn a few more picks to get up for their guy um so maybe that was the long-term play you know just to to mess with the saints and i can get on board with that too but um that's sort of my thoughts on London overall. I don't think it's a bad pick. Like, I, if I was to grade it, I'd probably give it a C because I think, I think London is a good player, and I think if you draft good players, it's hard to be upset. I, I I disagree with the philosophy behind it, and he wasn't the best player on my board, but he's a good player. He's the wide receiver I would have picked for them. I think he fits the scheme, and I think he's a great compliment for Kyle Pitts. So that's sort of my piece on that. I'm not going to keep harping that I don't want. I didn't want them to take a wide receiver or whatever like that. You were right, guys. Everyone that said they were going to take a receiver, I was wrong. So there you go. Um, also, let's real quickly get into. Um, their remaining needs on day two. There's a lot of them and the top players available because there's a lot of those too. Um, this is an exciting day two for the Falcons. And let me get my plug in here because we're going to be on the air again tonight uh, for the entire uh, day two. We'll start at seven o'clock tonight on Falcohawk Live on YouTube, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. And we'll be going through both rounds and uh, we're going to have some great guests on as well. So I hope you'll join us for that. But aside from that, guys, um, remaining needs, obviously there's a lot. Uh, you know, you could say, depending on your opinion, uh, I mean, I think edge is the biggest interior offensive line. A guard, uh, is probably up there as well. They could obviously use a quarterback prospect. If one of these, if Malik Willis or Desmond Ritter, which are two guys that we've seen them connected with, if they want one of these guys, they are going to have an opportunity to get them in a trade up. I don't know that you can depend on them being there at 43, um, and we're going to see real soon uh, tonight whether or not they like these guys. Um, because I feel like if they don't take them before 43, are they going to take them at 43? Like like if, if you're not in love with this quarterback enough that you're going to sort of risk losing them, why take them at all, I guess, is sort of my question. Um, and maybe it's a value thing. Like, we like this guy, but we're not willing to trade extra assets for him if he's there at our pick. We'll go for it. We'll take the chance. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think that they really like both of those guys. So those are the two names I would certainly be watching um, at the quarterback position. In terms of edge, the edge board has fallen quite well for the Falcons. Um, I, I think in, in a lot of mocks, you have seen as many as three more edge rushers go in, this, in, the, in the first round. Uh, and they didn't. So right now... Maybe there's a chance that one of Boye Mafe, David Ajabo, or Arnold Ebiketti could be there at 43, and those guys would all be good picks in my opinion. I think I think Ajabo, it's tough for the Falcons to make that pick. I mean, if this if they really do think this is a long-term rebuild, you know, maybe they're willing to wait. But Ajabo's going to miss the entire season more than likely, and he was a guy that was going to need development time too. So. With that sort of two-year projection before you're really getting much out of that pick, I just feel like that's not something I would prioritize for the Falcons. I think it's it's a tough proposition this early in the draft, and I think that might lead to him falling a little bit more than expected too, but we'll see. Obviously, Boye Mafe, if he's there, I would sprint to the podium because this is a guy that has absurd upside. It's basically like Trayvon Walker. I mean, he's not the same size as Trayvon Walker. He's, he's pretty close, but same sort of athletic ceiling, just an absurd athlete. Um, and Mafe needs development, but the, again, if this is a two to three year rebuild, you take this high upside guy, you develop him, you get him out there. Um, and he's, he's, he'll be the most talented edge rusher on this team for sure. Um, and he's got legit 
edge one ceiling. So that's that's definitely one. And Ebicady is a guy that I, I really like as well. I mean, I don't think his ceiling's as high as Amafe, but I think he's a super smart player. I think he's a great speed rusher. Um, I think he'd be an impact starter as well. Um, and of course, there there's guys later on at edge, uh, later on day two that I like a lot, like a Nick Benito, Sam Williams, uh, Drake Jackson, you know, these guys, all guys I like. Um, in terms of other best players available tonight, uh, Clemson's Andrew Booth Jr. is still on the board. I, I have a hard time seeing him last much longer, but if for some reason he was there at 43, like if teams are, you know, scared off by the injury a little bit, this is not an injury that's going to keep him out of the season. I would not hesitate to add Andrew Booth. He's my cornerback too. He's my 11th overall player. I would go get him um, and put him on the outside next across from AJ Terrell, move Casey Hayward into the slot, uh, and you've got an elite cornerback trio um, and a lot of depth too. Like if he needs time to recover from that hernia and he's going to miss a few games or whatever, um, this is you've got the depth already here. I think at, at that point, it's a BPA pick, um, and I would not be upset at all about that. Um, we've also got guys like Nicobe Dean from Georgia, the linebacker. I think he's a tremendous player. He'd be a great value at 43 if he makes it. Uh, Perrion Winfrey, the defensive tackle from Oklahoma. You know, there's a lot of buzz that, that Grady Jarrett could potentially be on the move. So if that were to be the case, or if they just really want more talent on the interior, Perrion Winfrey's a top pick for me. Kyler Gordon, the cornerback from Washington, I really like. Um, he was projected to go in the first round in a lot of mocks. He got invited to the draft as well. So he'll go early. Um, he might not make it to 43. Jay Brisker at safety. You know, if you want a guy, you know, we didn't get Kyle Hamilton, but if you want another really good interchange of safety, uh, he's available. I know there's a lot of Brees Hall fans that run back. If the Falcons aren't going to take him at 43, I sort of don't think he'll be there. And I, I would really, really question this team if they took a running back at 43. So let's not, uh, but maybe later, um, and then uh, Travis Jones, uh, the nose tackle, he's he's really interesting as well. There's a lot of good players there. Um, those are the, just the top guys. There's a lot of good players available. And like I said, the Falcons have four picks. On day two, uh, two they have two uh, second rounders. I believe it's 43 and 58. 58's from the Titans. Uh, they also have two third rounders. I believe it's like 74 uh, and 82. 82 is from the Colts from that Ryan trade. So they have a lot of ammunition today. They could get more with a trade down. That's what they did last year. Um, they traded down from their top second round pick uh, with the Broncos actually. And they picked up an extra fourth, I believe. So, you know, there's opportunities potentially to do that. They might, they may end up giving up that fourth or a later day three pick, depending on how long they're willing to wait. Um, to get a quarterback or to get one of these falling defensive players, you know, I'd certainly think Boye Mafia or Andrew Booth Jr. would uh, be intriguing players for me to trade up for if they weren't trying to get a quarterback. But we'll have to see. So far, they've been pretty patient with you know not going up for a quarterback. I think there was an expectation that they might try to get one at the end of the first round, and they did not. So I think that sort of tells us that they're not in love with these guys, and maybe the rest of the NFL isn't either. Um, but they might still be happy to take Malik Willis. Uh, a little bit later on in the second round, or if he happens to fall to 43, same thing with Desmond Ritter. We'll just have to see. But again, guys, thank you for listening today. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we will be back, like I said, tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern on Falcoholic Live on our YouTube channel. 
So make sure to check that out. Make sure to check out the site, thefalcoholic.com. And I am Kevin Knight, at Falcoholic Kevin on Twitter. Again, guys, thanks for listening. We will see you tonight for day two of the Falcons draft party. Until then, guys, have a great day. We'll see you tonight and look forward to the draft. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.